Hi there. Hi there. Hi there. The great tit is a bird. The great tit is a bird. The great tit is a bird. You're totally hooked. Otherwise, why would you be calling? Unless you're hooked on more than her story. Just kidding. Jeez, can't you take a joke? Okay, I'll play more for you. If that'll untwist your jockstrap. Calm the crap down, okay? A few days after the horrible hypnosis incident, the data collection phase began. Karn wanted us to keep recruiting kids, but Medina insisted on staying in the lab the first week to make sure that the kids, now subjects, were comfortable. She wouldn't leave the lab until every kid had gone home. And Karn didn't like it, but she didn't say anything because word had spread about Medina's fainting spell. Later though, I heard Karn whispering to Professor Sukaris and caught the words recruitment and quotas, but he just smiled and patted Karn's head. Medina watched every recruited kid like a hawk, but didn't see anything unusual. The kids reported to the giant study room where they were interviewed by Jacques, outfitted by Jason, and scanned by Karn and Norm while they were directed to perform small cognition tests. Other than very mild, occasional, predictable seizures, this was a study focused on symptoms like seizures, every subject seemed fine. Some of them actually benefited from low levels of electrical stimulation, which I guess was the point of the study. They all took home an iris stim to use for a while, and when they came back, none reported anything out of the ordinary. Medina was baffled and a little disturbed that she was the only one who fainted. I said I wished we could dissect one of those helmets. So one day, Medina asked Jason if we could borrow a helmet, but Jason said that Jacques needed to clear us to join the study. So we went to Jacques and asked, can we join the study? Do you get seizure? Jacques asked. Sometimes, Medina said. I was pretty sure she was lying, so I said, yeah, me too. Jacques took out a checklist and asked if we were under age 20. Yes, we said. That wasn't a lie. Karn walked over and asked why we wanted to enroll. Free phones, Medina said. And Karn said that research personnel weren't allowed to enroll. Medina pointed out that she was in the study last year, but Karn said that the rules were different this year. And to our surprise, Medina's shoulders slumped so low. Karn said a word I'd never heard from her. Sorry. It's Brief Explainer from EBC. I'm Tyrone Bryant. Today's question is from Maria Embordeol. My question is, has climate change increased lighting storms? In a word, probably. Recent data analysis indicate a correlation between warmer global temperatures and more frequent lightning. However, some climatologists argue that these analyses don't include cloud ice fluctuations. Cloud ice is an important part of how a thunderstorm builds up enough energy to produce lightning. And in some countries, frequent flooding and poorly grounded infrastructure exacerbate the risk of lightning. Feremia and Isabelina are two such countries. To learn more, 
Listen to my upcoming one-hour special, Lightning, Then and Now, on the EBC One app. Thanks for your question, Maria. Until next time, it's Brief Explainer from the EBC. After a week, so many helmets needed repair that Jason was staying late every day. So I kept an eye on his workbench. Eventually, he had a few helmets he couldn't fix, so he broke them down. I watched him closely and saw that he didn't do anything too complicated. From the inside of each broken helmet, he removed the electrode grid and cut apart its connections. He pulled out the infrared and ultrasound sensors and cut their wires. I thought he'd keep or destroy the individual electrodes and sensors, which would make the helmet almost impossible to reconstruct, but he didn't. He just swept all the intact components into a garbage bag and gave the bag to us because Medina knew an NGO that repurposed in situs e-waste. But as Medina and I dragged the garbage bag to NCC's rear door, I had an idea. If we kept the stuff in the garbage bag, I could maybe reconstruct the helmets at home. Medina turned around like she was gonna drag the bag back to the lab. No, 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 I said, at home, we can figure out what this stuff can really do. She got my meaning and said, you'll need tools then, no? So I left Medina and ran back to the study room. Luckily, Jason was out on break, so I quickly stuffed the tools I needed into my backpack. Since specialty tools are hard to get in Mayaka, the giant had brought backups, lots of backups from Empirica. But then I heard voices from the back closet. Everyone called it the back closet, but it was really a full-sized back room. You've gotten really good. Check my work one last time. They're so slimy, the leads keep slipping off. Looks fine. Count yourself lucky you don't have to work with eels or air frogs. All these electric land animals. Amphibians, actually. Discovered in just the past few years. That's what they mean by the Anthropocene. Did you come up with that yourself? Shit, I have to take this. It's TK. <sighs> What's wrong? He's pushing the dumbest ideas. Scars is a bioweapon. The Megastar is a fountain of youth. But aren't you interested in that? Consciousness after death and all? Yeah, but not with, uh, not for, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Don't worry. You can keep your wacko ideas to yourself. <sighs> I'm heading out. Five minutes? You can't keep an eye on the salamanders for five more minutes? You're never on the phone with TK for just five minutes. I know, I know. He's just been such a- Look, I'm starving and exhausted and they're fine. If the lead falls off the headset, just clip it back on. It's so hard to keep them from falling off. Can't we just implant the leads on their brains? No, they're not like us. And don't hurt them. I already showed you. There was no time to run. So I made myself sit still as a stone when the professor and Karn came up from the back room to the main study room. Hey, Renella, the professor said. And I was like, hey, hi. I'm waiting for Jason to come back. Uh, he wanted me to uh, dispose of some stuff. I'd never sounded so chirpy in my entire life. But it didn't matter. 
The professor barely noticed me. He was fumbling with his phone on his way out the door. When's Jason coming back? said Karin, pulling the back room's door tightly shut. Her laser eyes were boring holes into me. So I said, I thought he was in the bathroom. She gave me one last laser eye, looked to where the professor stood in the hallway and said, I'm heading out then. Don't move until Edwin or Jason come back, all right? Um, yeah, sure, uh, totally, I said, trying to sound as dumb as possible. She left. I dashed to the back room. The door was locked, but I'd spent so much time watching Jason's workbench, I knew I could grab a spare key card from its drawer to open the back room. On a table in its center sat a glass tank of spotted elamanders. They stared at me. Their yellow spots pulsed with light. Even their eyes glowed neon gold. Each elamander wore a tiny helmet wired to a box that sat outside the glass tank. The Megastar. More tiny helmets were strewn about the tank's floor. An intact helmet, even a tiny one, would be useful for reference, so I opened the tank and grabbed the helmet. An elamander brushed my hand, sending warm needles racing through my body, and I wanted to stay to hold an elamander, but I had to run back to Jason's workbench. As soon as he returned, I left and found Medina behind NCC, so we divided up the gear and ran to the Motogari stop. Back at our apartment, I said, look what else I have. Medina examined the plastic box in my hand and said, is that the Megastar? Renea, hi. Thank you for agreeing to this. I know it is uncomfortable. If it'll get you to Mayaka sooner. I think it will. And the school will really appreciate it. But I only have to tell you, right? Sorry, but if lawyers get involved, you might have to repeat your story. You might not. Either way, you are helping them. The girls. All right. I don't know much. Anyway, it was like a million years ago. So tell me. I will start recording now. State your name first, please. I'm Renea Mendoza. So, Mr. Johnson assigned our class this story and said, it's a classic story about the moon and its daughters. But the story was disturbing. I can still quote parts of it. Please do. When the moon was full, it brought out multitudes of tiny, naked, whitened girls who crawled over everything. The tiny, naked girls especially love speed. Lucky was the man who watched the highway on these nights for if he turned his head just so... He could see hundreds of tiny, naked white girls racing by, crouching on the tops of cars, gripping the edges of door handles and rearview mirrors, their perfectly lustrous silver hair whipping behind them. Oh, my. Yeah, gross. 
In my homework, I wrote stuff like, this story isn't about the moon, and this story is disgusting. Mr. Johnson gave me a D. And that is when you stopped going to class. I would have totally flunked out if you hadn't switched me to a different teacher. I still remember what you said. What was that? You said that the other students, other girls, had issues with Mr. Johnson. You said you had to keep an eye on him and that I wasn't the first. You're not the first girl. That's what you said. Thank you, Renea. I stopped recording. Okay. You are making a real difference for these girls. Good. But I'm really only doing it for you. Hey, Mamai. Just when I finally got through the last airport checkpoint, they announced that my flight's delayed because of lightning storms, of all things. After we stole, I mean, rescued, and I assembled those iris stem parts, I think I got to understand the lightning a little more. I mean, what happened with the lightning and me? It took maybe a week and change to do all the hardware repairs and conversions. I'd get to work first thing in the morning, then first thing after getting home from NCC, and I'd stay out till way past midnight. The helmets were easy to assemble because I already had references. And though the plastic box was just a regular router, not a megastar, I was still pretty sure I could convert it into a makeshift megastar. I guess, though, I got a little messy. Medina started hounding me about the mess. You know, I'm no neat nick, as you would say, Mamai, and Medina is a maximal neat nick. She said that with so little at home and in situ, she learned to respect her things. So I said, don't you want the helmets working ASAP? Don't you want to know what happened to you? I can't clean and work at the same time. But she was like, Renea, it's getting absolutely filthy. All right, so boxes and circuits and plastic bags were scattered all over the apartment. Solder drops dotted the kitchen floor and I left a little food out. She couldn't take the food and solder. She was like, that's dangerous, Renea. People this messy are usually spoiled or uncivilized or both. Damn, girl. That was cold, but she made her point and I cleaned up as best I could and finished the work. Then after Medina cooked masala chicken, maybe she felt guilty for calling me spoiled and uncivilized as she should. We held a demo day, private, just for us. I plugged the helmets into the makeshift megastar. Medina gently pushed a helmet onto my head, but my hair kept pushing back, so I grabbed a pair of scissors and cut off all my hair as close to my scalp as possible. A big fluffy puff fell to the floor and rolled away, like a limp little disembodied puppy. In Voldemort, I never would have chopped off my whole head of hair. Boppy, Rolly, and everyone at school would think I'd lost my mind. But here in Mayaka, no one cared. 
Medina, whose natural hair was so beautifully short, promised to shape me up later. Now though, she could easily place a helmet onto my head, positioning the repaired circuitry the way I'd shown her. But she wasn't quite ready to wear the other helmet. Wait, she said, taking the helmet from me, holding it close to her face, staring warily into its interior. We'll sit on the bed, I said, and I enlarged the circuit so it won't stimulate your parts. For some reason, I blushed. Medina nodded and slipped the helmet on. And when we flicked the switch, the air sharpened into a thousand hair-thin needles on our skin, our brains, all our organs. I closed my eyes and the needles merged together into one knife point. I saw, felt hard patches on Medina's brain. We were under the moon, in a bay where we splashed in the shallows. I called for her to swim out deeper. I could see, feel Medina wanting to cry out, I can't, but she couldn't open her mouth. Our eyes locked onto each other. I've seen, felt this before, I wanted to say, though it had never been this strong. You, Mamai, had shown me how to bring out the sensation. Wake up, Ray Ray. It's time to play. And we woke up, Medina and me, mutely staring at each other. Our eyes faintly glowed neon gold, like light-emitting diodes, like Elamanders. Are you crying? I know they're like cute little nesting sparrows, but still, I expected more. Ah, excellent point. It was theft, not a rescue. That's leverage. Think on that, okay? I even have a link already, thesparrowisabird.com. Thesparrowisabird.com. Listen again. Think on it. We'll talk soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. The Great Tit is a bird dot com